Hi everyone, this is Christopher, and you're listening to Finding Japan episode 26, the Matsuri episode. Hey, 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 hello, hello, hello. Sorry it has taken me so long to post another episode. It's been quite a while, I think about a week or so since I've actually posted a new episode.、Um, things just have been so extremely busy lately, but I hope to make up for it with a pretty decent episode on my experiences last week at the Rogoku Matsuri. I think it's called Rogoku, I'm not sure. So I'm just going to refer to it as the Matsuri for now, and I will describe it in a little more detail. Later, first, I just wanted to let everybody know what's been going on lately. Whoa, for a second there, I just got conscious about people are actually listening to this. Usually, just record these things and don't really pay attention to that. And all of a sudden, I just imagined like five people in the room here with me just listening to me talk to this microphone that's sitting on top of a box right now. <laughs> anyway,、um, let's see. This week, nothing really special has been going on during the weeks. Um, but things have just been very, very busy, mostly because of work and school. Because we had missed a week due to Hashika or the, the measles,、um, we found that what our administration is trying to do is squeeze in more lessons and more content in the time that we've had now as opposed to just extending the school year. I'm a big fan of it, I love it, but we're currently undergoing the、uh, downside of that, which is. A little bit of confusion. Some of the vocabulary isn't lining up to the lessons right now. I don't know. We're, we're, all, we're all making it through pretty well. I am quite surprised, though, at the amount of Japanese that I've been able to pick up.、Um, just in these few short three months, actually, it's been,、um, I think it was, let's see, Wednesday? Wednesday, I think, was the 90 day mark. I've been in Japan officially 90 days. And. What have my experiences been in the last 90 days? Well, I've just been totally lucky to have some really cool friends out here that I've met.、Um, my Japanese language ability, I think, is finally getting to a point where I can at least understand most of what people are saying in everyday type contexts.、Um, when sitting down in a meeting at work now, I, I can understand maybe 50% of what's being said and get the gist of it. And then I can fill in the details myself later just by taking some notes. And、uh, at school with the instructors, we can understand pretty much everything that we're being told from the instructors. So we're at a good point now. Now it's just building up vocabulary and building up kanji and kind of going through the motions to do that. So I'm looking forward to it. The rainy season has started. I think officially, I don't even know if there's an official date for it, but. The rainy season called、uh, Tsuyu is now underway. I've only noticed that it's been much more humid. I really haven't seen a larger increase of rain, though yesterday the rain was quite weird. And I, I wanted to talk about Japanese rain for a moment. It, it seems like it would be a weird topic, but in reality, it, it is kind of a weird observation. In the United States, Most people end up going from their car to a building or from their house to their car and don't spend a lot of time outside walking around, unless you already live in a very large city like New York,、um, LA. I don't think people walk around too much.、Uh, 
Uh, Austin, I know people drive around a lot in Austin too, so I'm thinking probably more like cities like New York or Chicago, where there's a lot of commuting going on. But the thing about Japan that I've noticed, the rain seems to rain in a finer precipitation than uh, what I'm used to. What I'm used to is really large raindrops and quite a bit of rain um, for a short period of time. What I find in Japan is that the raindrops are a lot smaller, at least in Tokyo. I'm not trying to say this as a Japanese thing because obviously it's not. But where Tokyo is situated, the rain falls out of the sky more readily, and as a result, I think the precipitation is a little smaller. Combine that with just a little bit of wind, and you get a lot more uh, horizontally directed rain. And as a result, you may have an umbrella, but you'll find pretty much from the waist up, you're dry, and pretty much from the waist down, you're soaked. So I'm thinking I should buy a uh, like an overcoat for out here, like a trench coat type deal, or just get a bigger umbrella. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but one of the things I noticed is that yesterday walking home from the train station, it was just, ugh, it was terrible. I was, I was soaked from the waist down and, um, I needed to get, I, I just either needed a larger umbrella or uh, a trench coat. So just a little word of warning. If you plan on traveling in Japan, especially the Tokyo area, uh, around this time of year, at least for the next two months or so, uh, just be prepared, and if you are going to get an umbrella, don't skimp out on a cheap one that you think will just protect you from rain coming directly from the sky. Try to get something that will give you a little coverage on the sides, too, like a bigger umbrella that maybe comes down a little further. You can stick your head in or curl up into a ball if you just don't want to get wet at all. So there you go. Rainy season is upon us, and I will be reporting on uh, how that's going. And I've heard... And I'm really not looking forward to it. But I've heard that after the rainy season, it gets extremely hot. So we shall see how that goes. Um, the humidity in Japan so far is something that I've just not been a big fan of at all. And uh, it's taken a while to get used to. But now I'm kind of used to sweating. Sounds gross, but I think I'm used to it. I've been told by my friends who are from Malaysia that um, that area is often really hot, and this, what we're experiencing now, is just nothing compared to what they've had to go through in the past. So sort of a reclimatization of my, my own body, I guess, to the climate here. But so far, so good, and we will see how things go in maybe August. I think August is when everything gets really, really, really humid. We'll see, though. Um, what else is what else have I been doing? I have been preparing for my fiance's arrival uh, in about five weeks or so. I'm really really excited to see her, and um, we're gonna have a good time. She's gonna be here for about a month, and I will be working for two weeks part time. The first two weeks while she's here, while she gets to readjust her body to the to the time difference. And I will be doing things with her on the evenings and um, haven't quite figured out what my work schedule is going to be, but we're going to try and figure it out so we get to spend like optimal time together. And then after that, uh, after those two weeks, we'll be heading down to Hiroshima, Kyoto, Kobe, and Osaka and doing some traveling around. So I'm really looking forward to that. So now I'm in the process of getting some of that stuff scheduled. If you have any particular recommendations of where we, where you think we should go in Japan, please send them along. I would be very, very curious. I know Terrence from uh, Kobe Beef Show did a whole special on um, romantic places in Japan. And uh, 
I uh, had asked him of a few places, and he had some great recommendations. I think I'm going to go back and listen to that show again. And um, if you are also interested in places, too, you can either wait till I've taken the trips and can comment on some of those places, or go listen to Terrence's podcast. I don't know the actual episode number off the top of my head right now, but I do know it was fairly recent. I want to say maybe March, end of February, March, somewhere around there. Anyway, go check it out. Okay, that's enough, I think, of what's been going on here with me lately. Uh, The Matsuri. Wow, what an incredible experience. I'm going to talk about this for a little bit and insert a little bit of audio um, from the Sanja Matsuri, actually, that took place in Asakusa maybe about a month ago. But let's talk a little bit about the Matsuri experience I had. talk about is how I was invited. Um, I had mentioned quite a few times before about this Tachinomi that I like to go to in Kamada. It was the first place I went to when I arrived in Japan uh, nearly exactly three months ago. Um, The place is called Kanzo and it's in Kamata. I don't know the kanji for it and I only know where it is just by habit so I can't really describe where it is. But um, there is a great group of people there that go there quite regularly. And every time I go, I, I end up seeing somebody I know and meeting somebody new I haven't met yet. So it's a, it's a really great place. Very small, maybe stands about 20 people at most if it's crowded. Um, the guy who, who runs the place, at least on the evenings, is, is just a blast to listen to. And he makes great food and he serves great drinks. So it, it's always fun. Uh, a friend of the master at the Tachinomi place had been asked to recruit uh, some people to help carry the Mikoshi um, for that particular Matsuri. So Machan, who was the master, basically got uh, or started recruiting people from the Tachinomi. So he had asked um, my friend and a few others um, to ask anybody who might be interested. So myself and my roommate, Alex were asked to participate in the Matsuri. Um, The Matsuri took place somewhere between Kamata and Kawasaki. I really wasn't able to get the name of the place quite right, but I think I remember it was told, uh, I think I remember being told that it was the Rogoku Matsuri. That's not to be confused with um, Ryogoku, which is just south of where I live here in Sumida. Um, this is a Rogoku, I believe. I could be totally wrong, and I'm sure there's someone yelling at me right now while they're listening to this, saying, no, 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 you idiot, it's the wrong name. So I apologize. Just know it's somewhere between Kawasaki and, and Kamata, which is just south of, of downtown Tokyo. We arrived in Kamata around 11.30 and met up with a bunch of people. At the time, it was raining profusely, so I was actually worried and kind of relieved that it might be canceled because I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't 
feeling up to it. I had a lot to do. I was kind of stressed out that weekend. So I just, I was kind of saying, well, if it was canceled, I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed and then I can get uh, quite a bit more done. Um, But we made it down to the area and it was not canceled. So it was great. Maybe about 10 people, maybe a little less than that, six or seven people from the Tachinomi were there. My friend who had invited me was not able to go because she hadn't been feeling good and I'm glad uh, I was disappointed that she wasn't able to go but I'm glad that she's feeling better so all all for good reasons of course um, the the times that I had seen Matsuri before I had seen uh, quite a quite a bit of interesting clothing um, I'll put a link to my Sanja Matsuri photos in Flickr right right here in the show notes and there you will see um, some pictures from that Matsuri that occurred in Asakusa. And if you look at what the men are wearing, they are essentially wearing um, tabi shoes, or which tabi are the socks that actually have the the big toe separated from the rest of the toes. And, and the reason why that is traditionally is often those socks were worn with sandals, so you could put the, the loop of the sandal in between your toes. However, um, a lot of those now are... It's like the socks with a with a rubber heel on the bottom of it, so you can wear just those shoes um, for these particular matsuris, and they look really grippy too, and they look comfortable. So I wanted to get a pair. I was really hoping that I would be able to wear that while I was there, but come to find out, um, everybody pretty much owns their own pair, so that's not something they they hand out if you participate in a matsuri. What they do hand out though is hapi, or let me pronounce that right. It's hapi. So it's ha and a small tsu and then pi. So hapi. In in English or in Romaji, it would be H-A-P-P-I. And you put a little pause there. Hapi. The hapi we had was, was really, really cool. Now, in this part of the show notes, I'll put a link to the actual Matsuri that I participated in. You will see there were two different types of hapi. There was a, a dark blue, bluish gray kind of hapi and a really bright blue Hoppy. I think the bright blue hoppy actually were for children, but they they ran out of the other type of hoppy, so they they started giving out the uh, the children's ones too. So the adults had both, and the children had the bright blue one. Um, my roommate Alex was was rocking out the the adult hoppy, and I was rocking out the the children's hoppy. But it, it, I'm not a really large person, so it, it fit me pretty well actually. <laughs> Um, but but go check out those photos, and you, you'll see a couple of things that I'm talking about here if you're interested, if you're listening to this in front of a computer. If not, check the blog um, for the show notes, and you'll see links to where those are. So I just showed up in a regular T-shirt and shorts and sneakers and uh, put the hoppy on over that, as did Alex. Some people were dressed up in what I would describe as maybe tight cloth pants, and others actually had the more traditional um, kind of like underwear thong or underwear floss for men it's like a towel picture picture a really long thin towel and and roll it up and wrap it around your waist and wrap it between your legs and put a little like cloth in front of you so you're you're not showing off your your package and then you know leave your ass hanging out in the back and that's that's pretty much what it's all about the there's a few people who participate in the hoppy and I'll or I'm sorry in the matsuri and I'll talk about them in a second but one of the guys in particular had that total outfit on and there were a few times where he had his back to me and I was just not having it it, <laughs> it was kind of a, a little uncomfortable but at that point I, I pretty much didn't care so 
it was uh, definitely an interesting sight to experience. And I, thankfully, I had known that there would be people wearing such clothing because I had seen the the Sanja Matsuri about a month before. So that's sort of who was invited and where it was and the timing and everything. And we had gotten there at about, uh, let's see, maybe 12.30, 1 o'clock. And the Matsuri officially went from about 2 to about 6. So total total about four hours. I want to describe the Mikoshi a little bit and a little bit about what that's all about. The Mikoshi is essentially a portable shrine apparatus. It looks like a lattice of wood that's tied together um, in perpendicular ways, and it supports the shrine. The shrine, apparently, during the Matsuri, this is the only time that the shrine leaves the temple. And the shrine will go around the neighborhood and then come back. It's believed that the deity or god is in the Mikoshi, in the in the shrine that's on the Mikoshi while you're carrying it around. So it's essentially the one time every year that the shrine goes around the neighborhood to, to visit the people of the neighborhood and then comes back. So care, when you're carrying the Mikoshi, you're essentially carrying the shrine around the neighborhood. And that's what you see the, the groups of men and sometimes women um, carrying it around and shaking it and making noise, that's that's what that is. It's the Mikoshi. The Mikoshi that we carried, I would have to say maybe weighed about 1,200 pounds. Maybe not that much. Maybe, no, it couldn't have been that much. Maybe more like 500 pounds. And when it's carried by by 10 people or so, it's about 50 pounds on on you know, the, everybody who is carrying it. But unfortunately, because everybody's a different height, it's not always the same amount of weight on every person. When we had first started, I was at the back, and I was with uh, my, my friends who had gone with me. And as we were lifting it up, there were quite a few taller people in the back, and in order for me to support any of the weight in the Makoshi, I had to put my arm up. I'm turning to the side here. That's why my voice is fading out. I had to put my arm up. Now, picture, um, you know, put, put your hands at your shoulders and lift your arms up as far as they will go to your sides. And now put a piece of wood across your uh, upper arm. That's what I had to do to, kind of, to, to try and uh, put, put some of my weight into the Makoshi to keep it up. So it was relatively easy if I needed a break. I just sort of put my arm down a little bit. Okay, it looks like I'm carrying it, but I'm really not. And then, you know, when I wanted to really get into it, yeah, yeah, let's get in there and put, put my arm up and, and, and carry the Mikoshi. So for the first three stops, now I should probably describe this too as well. The, the way you carry it around is you, you don't carry it, this Mikoshi around for four hours. You actually go maybe 10, 20 minutes at a time and do little rest stops. And there are people who are walking around with um, sawhorses, essentially. If you're not familiar with a sawhorse, just picture a piece of wood with legs on it. And when it's time to stop, um, the people come in and they, they, they put the sawhorse down. And, and you do this little routine where you have to go towards the guy who's leading uh, the Mikoshi Parade. And he's got these wood blocks that he clacks to sort of give everybody instructions. And he stands on top of the sawhorse and he guides you in, kind of like those those guys who who park airplanes at the airport into you know they bring him into the terminal. Same deal. The guys got got the blocks up above his head, 
Except the only thing is, he wants it to come in straight. So if collectively the people are not bringing it in straight, or they're not making it making enough noise, or not shaking it enough, they'll push you back and they'll make you do it again. So maybe three or four times every time coming in, you would have to reset yourself back up and then bring it back in. And eventually the front comes down, and then the back comes down, and then everybody gets a rest. At each of these rest stops, though, there are... Um, men and women in the neighborhood who are handing out drinks or food or candy for the, for the kids. I should also mention there was a there was a children's bikoshi that was in front of us that was carried all by children. And um, my guess is that they probably don't get many people to carry the mikoshi now. So this is sort of like a uh, children's education mikoshi bra- branch out program to try and get kids interested in carrying the mikoshi. Um, I'm not really sure if that's true or not, but that was that was my my best guess here. Uh, it's kind of hot today, so I'm, I'm drinking water while I'm while I'm describing this to you. I'm going to lightly edit this episode so I can see if it really makes that much of a difference in getting these things out. Usually, like like Scott Lockman just mentioned in one of his past episodes, I, I spend quite a bit of time editing these things so they're listenable, taking out the ands and the ums and the huge pauses that often occur. But I'm not going to do that with this one very much. There's a, there's a couple of things I've already done that I'm just going to kind of wipe out. But hopefully this one will take much less time to edit. So consider it like a, like a circuit race, like the Tour de France, where they, they only time you on the legs. And then at each leg you get to rest or you spend the night, etc. Or, or rally racing, I think they do the same thing. It's kind of like that. So essentially what I had to do is in each of these legs is participate and contribute my my manpower, if you could call it that, to uh, carrying the Mikoshi around. So we got to carry it across maybe five different five different stops before returning to the temple. And at each stop, we were offered beer or water or small food. And it was it was really nice. So carrying it itself is actually not that difficult. I, what I didn't realize, though is, well, let let me back up. Carrying itself in the back with tall people is not that difficult. Towards the end, maybe on the last leg, they were recruiting women to carry it in the front. Uh, I noticed a lot of time there'd be people walking around on the sides of the Makoshi while people were carrying it who were just sort of wearing the happy but not really doing anything. And the gentlemen who were running it were very keen on trying to get people in to contribute, like pull them in. And there were a few women who uh, were not just not having it. Well, those women end up being uh, convinced to carry it later on. So maybe they thought that, okay, it's the last time around we want to carry the Makoshi. Well, on the last leg, going back to the temple, I had been off sort of to the front. And I started walking back towards where my friends were. And one of the guys said, no, 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 you, you know, you go to the front. He, he told me in Japanese, I said, okay, okay, well, can't be that bad. You know, there's, there's girls up front, so, and they're doing it. Well, what I found out is there was actually um, two strong guys that were usually in front. And since I got to go in front, one of those guys bailed out. Now, all these women are shorter than me, and I'm a, I'm a fairly thin guy, so I, it's not like I have a lot of bulk behind me. So I'm up there in front, and, oh, man, was this thing heavy. It was terrible. Since I was one of the tallest people in the front at the time, um, a lot of the weight was on my shoulder. So I decided I'd be smart and switch the shoulder up. But that was a 
bad idea because later on both my shoulders were hurting instead of one and I, I just I had no ability to carry my bag on my shoulder for the first day to sort of support it on the front of my body because both of my shoulders were just very, very sore. So carrying it in the front um, was a completely different experience than carrying it in the back. And if I wanted to put a little more weight along, uh, uh, distribute the weight among everybody else who was in front, I found that I had to sort of crouch down a little bit. If I stood up straight, all the weight was on my shoulder. And if I crouched down, I was in this sort of like weird, um, weird sort of half prone position. My, I was kind of bending to the side and and, and kind of arched over, and it was just it was just such an uncomfortable experience. Oh, it was terrible. So the last leg was just was grueling, going back to the temple, and they made us uh, try to go in, in and out, maybe a few times before settling it down. And after that, I was like, ah, oh, never again. I'm glad I did it, but never again. So um, we sat down at the temple, and the people who run the temple started bringing out lots of food and lots of beer, and it was great. And I'm like, this is a great experience. Woo, you know, this is awesome. And then there was the sound of clacking and trying to get everybody together again. And I thought what we were going to do is move the Mikoshi further into the temple where it is. But no, I was wrong. We had to bring the Mikoshi out again to uh, one of the stops that we had already made. It was the last stop before we had brought it back to the temple to bring it to this guy's house in front of his house and sort of shake it around. And this guy apparently is the, um, the Chomei head office guy. So if you could think of, I, I talked before about how Japanese um, blocks and, and, and large ward areas are broken up. This guy is the, the Chomei head. So there might be four or five blocks in that Chomei and many, many buildings in each block. This guy is the, the you know, neat Chomei, the second block, second major block of this particular ward. He's, he's the head guy. So we we brought it to this guy's house, essentially, or his office, and shook it around, and and then um, tried to bring it up, like pretty much right to the door, backed it up, put it down, put it down in the street, and then he served us some of the most delicious sake I have ever had. It was honshu, so it was made from rice, but it was incredibly delicious, and it was well worth the. Uh, Carrying, carrying it over there. But then on the way back, uh, what I talked about before being up front with the girls, it was like that, but twice as bad. And to cap it all off, at the end, by the time we brought it back to the temple again, the guy who stands on top of the sawhorse clacking, like guiding people in like the aircraft, I swear to God, we must have put it in and out three or f no, not even three or four. It had to be at least 10 or 11 times. And I'm not exaggerating. We spent about five minutes going in and out, in and out of where this guy wanted us to put it. It was, it was sadistic, cruel, and just unbelievable. At the end of the, that, during that period, I was so frustrated. I got so upset but there was nothing I could do. I was surrounded by, you know, people who were all in this with me, so I wasn't the only one. Okay, sorry about that. I had a little, I had to take a little break there. I was getting kind of excited, and I had uh, like empty stomachs, kind of like shakes, because I haven't really eaten anything for. Uh, for dinner yet, and it's almost five o'clock or so. So, 
Usually I'll, I'll grab a snack on my way to work. But I don't have that right now. Uh, so what I'm eating here is, is some kimchi. And uh, this is kimchi that we get from the convenience store, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it, it's really good, actually. The other day I had this on top of some tofu, and it was just incredible. In fact, I need, I need to go shopping again. And I think what I'll do is I'll take the recorder with me, and we'll go shopping together. It'll be fun. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'd, uh, well, I'll get into I'll get into some other things in a bit. Mmm, so good. Sorry, I'm eating here, but my uh, my palate for spicy food has just increased so much. It's so good. Okay, so. After finally getting the Mikoshi down for the, what ended up being probably the seventh time, eighth time, I, I was just so exhausted. My knees were killing me. So I sat down on the open area in, in the temple grounds and just kind of sat there. And eventually some of my friends came over and we congregated there. And they brought out bottle after bottle of uh, bin beer, beer in the bottle. And then tons and tons of little snacks and foods and oh it was just so good so we sat there for maybe an hour and a half just drinking and eating uh for free so what was the experience like in whole now reflecting on it well if you could take let's see a like a block party if you've ever had a block party in your neighborhood if you've ever tailgated for a game and if you've ever, now I haven't had this experience but I've, I'm going based on what I know and what my friends have told me if you've ever um, rushed for a fraternity or sorority and have been hazed, combine all those together and that's pretty much what it is. Why do I call it much like a block party? Well, because you're carrying the Mikoshi around the neighborhood, you're interacting with the people who are in the neighborhood. So it is a very local thing. This Matsuri is not all that big. So the only real participants, well, I won't say participants, but the only real um, spectators are people who are going about their daily lives in the neighborhood. So as you're carrying this thing around, you see people coming out of their windows. Kind of reminds me of like those Italian scenes where they show the people walking by and uh, some lady with a, you know, like a headband on sticks her head out the window while she's making spaghetti sauce and is like, hey, bintero. Kind of like that, except the Japanese version of that where people are sticking their heads out and waving at you. So that, that was kind of cool. I say it's like tailgating because at each of these stops, there's just, you know, drinking and socializing. So there's a lot of community around um, the actual activity itself. And, and it's tailgating because there's more of a sense of an event going on, you know, and people are outside with, you know, their beer or sake or, or juice or soda, just waiting to to say hi and to just clap for people and hang out and watch the thing go by. And it's, it's really kind of cool. And I say hazing because the, these guys who are running it are just so out of control. There was one guy, um, afterwards, um, who was, who's getting a bit drunk and Alex had put this really good. He said, you know, most people think that Japanese people are kind of reserved until you start getting into their daily lives. And this guy, he was sitting at the table and he was going, sa, 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 sa. And he was trying to do the chance again and trying to get everybody started again after the whole thing was over. And, and that was one of the guys who was, who was getting everybody um, 
together to go do, you know, to, to do the chants and stuff while we're going through the street with the, uh, excuse me, the um, Mikoshi. And it's interesting because this guy's whole job is to keep everybody motivated. You're doing this very grueling work with this hard piece of wood and no padding other than your shirt. And you're sitting there wondering, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But you realize afterwards that you're doing it for a sense of community and um, just to see people and to have fun. It's not a, it's not, the act of carrying it itself is not fun, but the whole package is fun. So I think that's kind of what, you know, hazing is like, you know, you go through this grueling activity and you have people encouraging you to go through it for some greater bonding purpose. So block party, tailgating and hazing, that's what participating in uh, a Japanese matsuri is like. I'm again remember I'm basing this only off this one experience. I imagine some of the larger matsuris are a lot more well organized um in terms of getting people to volunteer, um the food and all that stuff. I could see how it would get very uh a little less informal. In this case it was put together really well, but all the help came from individuals. I could see how maybe in a larger matsuri how there would be some sort of like restaurant sponsor or something like that, and it could get a little less informal. But with this one, it was it was pretty cool. Oh, we're going to have a little more kimchi right now. I'm sorry I can't share this with you guys. I would otherwise. Mmm, so good. Okay. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about just the aftermath. Um... There was a big, like I said, a big sort of uh, rest area afterwards. And after all the people who had come to participate um, by watching had left, the people who had come to participate by carrying it were, were left there in the temple. And that's when they started bringing out all the food and everything. But that was the time that I think enjoyed the most, just sitting down, listening to people's stories, listening to people's conversations, listening to the, to the drunk guy going, sa, sa, sa. You know, and just causing trouble and having fun and laughing. And that, to me, is what uh, the Matsuri was all about, that aftermath and that, that bonding between the, the people in the neighborhood. So I am really, really grateful to my friends for inviting me. Re- very thankful that I had a chance to participate in something like that. And if you ever have the chance to participate in a Matsuri, please do it, because it is an experience that I don't think you can get anywhere um, outside of Japan. I want to talk a little bit about what I think I learned uh, by participating in the Matsuri. I wrote some notes here. Um, Japanese and religion, this this is something that I've talked to um, with Alex quite a bit, and um, I've talked to it a little bit with some of my Japanese friends, but my impression of Japanese people and spirituality is that they're conveniently spiritual, but not really religious. Shinto, which is um, the majority of uh, the the belief system that's held by most Japanese people here is loosely based off of... Oh, wait, can you guys hear that? I'm going to turn this up really quick. Maybe you can hear that. This is the music that they play at 5.30 every day in my neighborhood. Let me open the window here. You hear that? 
it's like like 50s ballroom music or something it's so bizarre I think this is this episode's only in Japan. And they never change it. It's the same music all the time. those tones. Alright, I'm going to close the window again. Hold on. Weird, huh? Imagine you're in your, you know, you're in your suburban area and every, at six o'clock, you know, instead of ringing the church bells, they blast music through speakers that are located all throughout the city. It's, it's just weird. So Japanese and religion, I think uh, most Japanese people are not very religious, but just sort of mildly spiritual they'll go to a temple for when they need good health or good luck or a job i think there's you know there are prayers or or blessings you can do for traffic safety you know it, it's just bizarre and and shinto alex and i were talking about this last night shinto really doesn't have any sort of rules like like buddhism or christianity or um more strictly like catholicism or islam and it, it's it's just interesting that it, it creates sort of this religious convenience for Japanese people. There was a, a small ritual at the end of the Matsuri where they returned the shrine to its area. And I, I really didn't, I, I got a sense that everybody knew what to do, but I didn't get a sense that everybody knew why they were doing it. So that's just my perception of, of what I think I learned from the Matsuri um, in terms of Japanese and religion. I, I don't know if that's true, but but take it take it with a grain of salt from from one person who's experienced it. There is a huge sense of togetherness that is underneath the Matsuri. The Matsuri is not just about carrying the thing through the streets. It's about getting everybody together. I talked about that a little bit, but I think what I learned is that, you know, Japan can be a very lonely place. It can seem like a very lonely place, especially in, in a city like Tokyo. Tokyo, in a lot of ways, is a lot like New York. Everybody is doing for themselves. But it's events like these where you really get to see sort of the underbelly of Japanese culture, and you really get to see how people interact with each other. Participating in this, in this Matsuri was so heartwarming to see people who aren't even related to each other, but just because they're doing this one event together, you get to see them sort of bond. And I, I certainly felt that from my perspective, and I got to see that in the actions of the people who are also participating there. And I think that sense of togetherness is also represented in the fact that I can't really answer the question, why did I go? I certainly didn't go for the alcohol or the food. I really didn't know much about any of that stuff before I went. But, you know, and, and I went for the experience of just doing it to say I, I got to do it. But it made me wonder, why do other people go? And I think it, it, it's because of that sense of togetherness. I think there are very few opportunities that people really get to have um, meaningful interactions with, with other people in day-to-day -day life, especially... Um, if you don't have a large family. And of course, I talked about Japanese people working a lot. So really, the interactions with their family um, are often limited relative to, to more Western cultures or European cultures. But 
I think it's a testament to the fact that if you asked a Japanese person why they went, they might give you sort of a, a runaround answer and not really be able to answer succinctly why. But I, th I think it's that togetherness that, that brings everybody together. So, Okay. Well, I, I hope I hope everybody enjoyed my interpretation of this. Um, I, I tried to remember as many details as I possibly could, and I, I hope I did a good job. Uh, if you do come to Japan, please at least see a Matsuri. It's something to be seen. Um, I know quite a few people have been here and haven't seen it, and I know there's also quite a few people who are very into going to, to these things but haven't participated. So I, I would encourage you to participate if you can. Matsuris are usually done by neighborhood, so you probably need to know someone who's participating in the planning or recruiting for some, but, but ask around and I bet you'll be able to find out pretty easily, especially if you get to know some local people in the neighborhood that you're in if, if you're here for an extended period of time. I have not seen any touristy things where you get to participate in a Matsuri like oh, come during this time and pay $50 and we'll give you the tour experience and, oh, participate in a Matsuri. So I think it, it, if you're interested in doing something like this, it is a little difficult to get into, but if if you sort of branch out of that tourist mode and start living with the people that you're interacting with as opposed to watching them and just experiencing it, I think you can find out pretty easily how to how to get involved in that and i highly recommend it and also if i find out any more information on how to do that i will let you know okay the last thing I wanted to mention is, actually not the last thing, the next thing I wanted to mention is my new project. No, I'm not starting another podcast. I don't think I could really handle that. Um, I'm very committed to finding Japan and, and you guys. But no, I, I thought of a really interesting project. I mentioned before that one of the reasons why I'm doing this is sort of to catalog and to, and to mark time of my experiences, I think this will probably be much more interesting 20, 30 years from now, maybe something my kids or my grandkids would want to listen to. God, I don't have... <laughs> if I have grandkids in 30 years, it's going to be kind of weird. No, actually, no, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah, never mind. 20 years would be kind of weird. But maybe maybe my kids or grandkids or you know somebody else may find this in the future may find it interesting. But... I wanted to do that on a micro scale. That That's kind of macro. We're talking like you have to sort of look at that in a lifespan context. I wanted to do something similar to that in the context of this podcast. So what I'm doing now, starting today, is I'm starting a segment, which I will not do every episode, I think, but certainly once a month or every two months. And the segment is called Letters to my future self. I think that's kind of a lame name, but when you add echo to it and everything, it sounds really good. Letters to my future self. Okay, so what is this? Well, as you can kind of guess, what I'm going to do in this segment is ask myself questions. And what I will do in this segment in the future is answer my own questions. So at this point, I'm sending out questions to, I think, what I decided to do. The questions that are going out today are going out to 
one year ahead, Christopher. So this time a year from now, I will be finishing up, let's see, probably my internship process, and we'll be getting ready to move back to the United States. So I wanted to cap off this episode by asking my future self a question. Here we go. Dear one year future self, today is June 15th, 2007, and I am asking the future self, did you find that your Japanese ability improved as much as you thought in one year? And can you answer this question in Japanese and translate it for me? There we go. I want to know a little bit about whether or not my Japanese ability has actually improved to a point where I can answer a question like that in detail. What I am, what I am expecting my future self to do is to answer that question, uh, maybe in about two minutes, maybe for about two minutes, and describe um, what I thought of my Japanese language ability, how far I've progressed, and whether or not I think. I've gone further than I thought I would, or a little less than I thought I would, or somewhere in between. So that is my question to one year future self, and I will answer that sometime around June 15th, 2008. So you guys are just going to have to listen for another year to get the answer. <laughs> and I'm putting these on my calendar too, so I, I will know when to answer these. So that's a letter, that's a letter to my one year future self which I will answer a year from now. I will also ask questions to three-month future self, six-month future self, and answer them as those things come around. So uh, be prepared on the lookout for that. That one's a year out, but we will be doing some more in the future as well. Maybe maybe before like a, a big event that I go to, I'll ask how it was and then you know answer, answer myself. Um, I think it's kind of neat because you can time shift this stuff and do interesting things. So a year from now, you will hear me again asking me a question um, but I'm also doing it because there's a real um, lack of questions from people. <laughs> so if you want to contribute uh, a question to my future self or even current self, um, you can do so by sending me an email, Christopher at FindingJapan.com. You can also leave a comment on a post. Please feel free to do that. Um, I have no intentions of starting a forum or anything like that. I think the comments are, on the posts are working out fine. And in fact, I, I owe everybody some return comments on the last episode, the office episode, so I apologize. I will do that before sending this episode out. And um, you can also leave a voice message on the right-hand side of the homepage. If you just scroll down, you will actually see a little voice message area. And I think right now the only person who has left the message is Fred from the CoffeeCast. And speaking of the CoffeeCast, I just did another review of a small coffee shop on campus which will be going up soon with episode two of the coffee cast probably due out sometime. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to put a date on it because every time I do, it gets a little further away, but as long as I keep these podcasts going, I think everything's okay. So with that, I am going to complete this episode, put it to bed, wrap it up. Some final thoughts, Matsuri, do it if you can. Check out the pictures on the blog. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.